All right, I think we are live, and welcome back, everyone, to the hey, hey. ninth episode, ninth, ninth episode of the All Brooked Up podcast. Very special episode. Our first guest, the one and only Rachel Renoff, sister to Stephen Sheldon. Rachel Renoff, photography photographer extraordinaire, uh, joins us today. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're so, so excited to have you. I know. We've were we we've been trying to figure out what to talk about, what kind of things we wanted to talk about. There's obviously a lot. And um, first and foremost, just to introduce people who may not know, because Rachel Ruthie, as I call her, um, probably won't say this herself, but she's an extremely talented and well-known and respected yeah. photographer um, in the tri-state area. She has a massive following uh, on, on social media, and she's very talented. So if you need pictures taken... Reach out, Rachel on photography on all socials. But um, yeah, so something that I, that I'm interested in getting into, just because uh, Rachel had mentioned this just before the podcast, was that coming up February 28th is Rare Disease Day, uh, which I did not know about. Um, neither okay. Sheldon, and we're interested in hearing more about because my niece, Rachel's daughter, has a rare disease. And so I really just wanted to hear a little bit more about, you know, what the day is all about, just to bring awareness to people who may be going through similar situations um, and just to hear a bit more. Yeah. Hey, guys. So for anyone who knows me as Rachel or Ruffley, I have a lot of names. So I could be Ruffley Brock. I could be Rachel Renoff. I could be Rachel Doff, Rachel Drandoff, Ruffley Drandoff, lots of names, kind of like Hannah Montana vibes going on here. You know. But I'm not going to take it out. Yeah. <laughs> like her. So don't worry, guys. Um, but thanks for having me. So good to see you guys because I don't get to see you so often. Um, I was mentioning to you guys before the podcast started about February 28th being Rare Disease Day. And um, my husband and I, Michael Drandoff, have a daughter, Kaylee Drandoff, who's adorable, three and a half years old. And she has a rare genetic disease called brain lung thyroid disease. Um, she's missing the mutation, the NKX2-1 um, I think my teachers from high school would actually be shocked that I could actually like, repeat that in memory. So we found out that she had this disease back in last November. So it's been about 14 months since we found out about her disease. We knew she was sick for a while. We just didn't know exactly what it was. Um, at first when we found out, it was very hard. I didn't really share with anyone what it was called because it was just something that was it like took over our, our lives kind of still does emotionally, but, um, it's just, I wasn't prepared or ready to share it. Um, until I realized that I want to help her in the best way I can. And I want to give her the best life possible. So if more people are aware of it, just like other diseases, there are many people that are not aware of them. The more people that are aware, the more that we can help and find a cure and find help. And she I'm already crying. The podcast just freaking started. I'm like, <laughs> three minutes in, he's already tearing up. <laughs> three minutes. We're like, uh, oh, we are three minutes. Yeah, we jumped in heavy. Like, like, geez. in your makeup is on. I'm not wearing a stitch. No <laughs> <laughs> better, don't worry. <laughs> um, no, but she, Kaylee, is extraordinary. She thinks she is living her best life because she is. Yes, right. she is. Right. No, she really, yeah, she does. Um, the way that her disease affects her, because every rare disease affects each child differently, um, her brain is the, for her, is the hardest, and she can't walk well. 
So I would say like growing up when we saw kids with cerebral palsy, there was like a big range of children and there were some more cognitive, some less cognitive, some walked better, some didn't. So I would say she doesn't walk well. She would walk like um, a child who has cerebral palsy, but cognitively she's totally on par. She probably knows more than all of us put together. She's, she's very, really smart. Smart. Yeah. very smart. Very um, smart. She probably watched this and wonder why you guys didn't interview her. Because it is totally. 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 And um, she's really incredible. Um, the She takes medication daily for her disease to help her with her involuntary movements. Um, she also has um, hepatic hypoglycemia, which means that like her blood sugar drops randomly we won't know necessarily what is causing it so we just have to be aware of it when she's sick or when she's more lethargic and yeah it's every day is a journey with her we never know what the day is going to bring us but she's really incredible and she also has four half siblings who are the most incredible children in the world and i think as they're getting older they're realizing how amazing they are because having a sibling and taking care of a sibling is one thing but to have a sibling with a disease that you have to that you don't they don't have to but they choose to look after her and be there for her it's really incredible right. watching them so yeah it's really cool 100% like i feel like every time i see them all like i'm saying like even with yafa like one of like your twins and everything like it's very like a motherly <laughs> role that they play in like in her life. And like, you know, like you said, like she's so cognitively there. So the fact that like she doesn't walk so well, but like she's like freakishly smart. Like since right. she was two years old, she would FaceTime me, like literally know she had an iPad already. Literally know how to open up the iPad, click on my name, call me. Like there was a couple times where she called me and she was like, Oh, I didn't mean to call you. I meant to call Bobby Joe, who's like our mom. And I'm like, Oh, okay, girl, like, okay, totally like throw me under the bus. <laughs> But, like, she's so freakishly intelligent that, like, if you only knew her via, like, a FaceTime or something like that, like, you would just think she's, like, this crazy brainiac child that you wouldn't even know. So it's, like, someone, like, a, a child even like this who is so advanced and so smart and so, like, a, like way beyond her years in terms of maturity and everything could still struggle with something. And as an uncle, I mean, as a mother, I can't even begin to fathom how hard it must be on you. As an uncle, it's really hard to see how the fact that it's like with her she like moves on with her life does her thing like she falls she picks herself back up it's not like she's like a woe is me child or like talks about how the fact that she's always falling like i am always worrying about when she falls and stuff like that and she's just like girl like why are you even worrying like she just moves on <laughs> she's just like no but like for real and i feel like there's so much to learn from that where it's like she could pick herself up as someone who's falling all the time and like be like you know i'm just moving forward and like for so many of us it's like we go through a difficult day that it makes us feel like I had such a hard day. Like, I don't even want to move forward in the day. And it's like, this is something she struggles with on a daily basis. And like, for some of us, we can go through a one really hard day and that feels like the ultimate. And if someone like that, who's a child, who's only three now could pick herself up each and every time she does, it's like, there's so much to learn from that, that it actually, like, to me, it's like, I look at her and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I mean, I hope I don't look like it, but I'm 30 years old. I'm 27 years older than her. Basically 80. Literally. No joke. <laughs> if I do the math, it's pretty much 86, but whatever. But like, if I could look at her as a three-year-old child and be like, wow, there's something for, for me to gain from that. Like, that's, that's pretty incredible. And I think that like, you know, like you, like, like you said, like she has some half siblings, like you were married previously, you and Michael are married now. Like this is something, it could be really difficult. You know, anytime someone has, you know, a child who could have any sort of difficulties, whether it's a learning disability, as opposed to someone like this, like, 
it takes a toll on your marriage. And I feel like, so for you and on your second marriage, for you guys to go through something that could be so intense and very painful as a parent, the fact that you guys are able to be there with each other and do everything to make sure that she lives the best, amazing life that she could. It's, it, it's, it's, to me, it's like the most incredible thing ever. And it's, it's really inspiring. And it really shows me like, no matter what, like you could be in the craziest situation of all time. And it's like, it also shows you how like, by having a child who's going through something so difficult, it's something that can either break the parents up or really pull you guys together. The fact that it really pulled you guys together is so inspiring and amazing to see from the outside. And even if that's not something that I might tell you so often or probably never told you, especially because whenever I visit New York, I've seen by you so many times. So it's like I'm seeing all the goings on and everything. And I've seen how it's brought you guys closer and really made you into a bigger family. And the fact that how it's how it's like united everybody, it's it's incredible. And I feel like as, as difficult as it might be or whatever, I feel like I'm a true believer that everything really happens for a reason and God has a plan. And even like, you know, when people say that, like, oh, you know, God has a reason or, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's very easy to say that. Like while you're going through something, it's it's much more difficult to be like, yeah, God has a plan and all this stuff. But like, I really believe that because I feel like in the future, when you look back, you're like, whoa, like if we didn't go through those experiences or if she didn't go through those experiences, we probably wouldn't be where we are now. So it's like, it's, there's something to it where it's like, she has these things, but also on the other hand, she's so smart. She's so mature. She's so incredible that it's like, it really shows you a whole nother side. That it's not like seeing someone like in our, I feel like when we were younger, it was a much more like a lot of families used to try to cover up the fact that they could have all like, you know, Down syndrome or cerebral palsy or all these things. Cause like, it felt like, you know, you were the odd one out or you were, you know, the busha or embarrassment in English. Like, it, it feels like something like that. And it's really not. And the fact that you really, you guys understood the situation as hard as it was, you really you could either let it be you down or pick yourself up and you really picked yourself up and you really moved forward. And for me, I'm sure for keep it tuned for all the rest of our family, like we look at you and we're just like, whoa, like even if we don't say it ever to you, like from the outside looking in, it's beyond incredible. And I think especially because you work so much, you're a very successful photographer, which I'm sure we'll get into soon. The fact that that's like on the side and the fact that you always put your children first is is so inspiring. And I feel like that's something that really means a lot to me. And um, as a brother, as an uncle, everything, I, I'm, I'm really, really, really impressed with you. It's, an, so it's amazing. That was a great session, I gotta be honest. I'll send you my invoice later. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say along the same lines. It's just incredible to really see in action how, like, going through di through difficulties for everyone involved, anyone, whether it's whether it's it's Kaylee or her siblings, to see how those struggles have bred an incredible amount of resilience and strength and maturity. And your kids are all amazing kids, you know, and it's such a blessing. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what amazing things they do and accomplish. Like, really I feel like what, what we've been, when we were younger and stuff like that as a kid, when you feel like, oh, your life's so hard, especially even in middle school or high school, for sure, you think, oh, wow, people, my parents don't understand me. Like, you always look at other people like, whoa, that family's so perfect. Oh, wow, that family has, you know, such good stuff going on for them. It's like, I, as I've gotten older and like, I used to work full time as a makeup artist, I used to work for so many families. Every time I did an event, I would have at least one person from the family be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. My family's crazy. And like, I would always be like, no family is normal. Every time I work with someone, they always said that. Like, you know, every family has their stuff. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people try to hide it and everything like that. And it's like, all that does is it really eats you up in the inside. And it's like, 
like what you were talking about, like you, by talking about it, you could have other parents who might be watching this podcast or might be seeing your Facebook post that you do with her or her Instagram posts. And it's like, they might feel like they're the only parent out there. Like I'm sure you felt at one time and they can see that. And, and not only does it inspire them, but it's like, like it's does for me, but it's like, oh my God, it's not just me. I'm not the only one with a kid like this. Or even if it's not the exact same thing, a similar situation to be able to see someone else and be like, I can relate to that person. Like when I was coming out of the closet, I didn't know one gay person. And that's a totally different thing. But like until I met other people who understood the kind of situation I was in, it's like as much as you try to explain it to me or to anyone else in the family or to a friend who doesn't have a kid like that, as much as you try to explain it, they will never understand what it's like. Never. And they can't. And you can't expect them to because they aren't going through it. But so to be able to be like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what other people think about me. And I'm going to do what's best for me and my child and also help other people out there. It's like beyond, beyond. I, I, it's beyond roughly, truly. It's also, hold on. I also want to put in, it's very impressive to do this all at the same time while maintaining a very strong social media presence. Cause it's so easy to get like sucked into the, totally. into the world of like Instagram and, and, you know, looking a certain hashtag way, yourself a certain way, right. Hashtag blessed, hashtag getting my like morning coffee or whatever. It's pretty, uh, that's like, the, if I was on Instagram, like if I had to like, work and use Instagram that much, I would get lost in the sea of just stories and reels and likes and what have you. It's interesting. I always feel like I should post more about it. And like, I have so many pictures and so much to share. And in a way, like you're saying with Instagram thing, it's like, I can't even go there with the feeling that pressure because it's so much. And I'm more, when I post about her and I, use her page as um, to advocate for her and to find other people, I'm exhausted most of the time. So it's actually hard sometimes to like even post. Like, so there is so much I want to share. And at the same time, I always feel like maybe if I had like five seconds, I could like write something down and like share it with everyone. But they're really like, even with you guys, like I didn't speak to last week. We went away for winter break. We had all the children. We had such a great time. And um, we were in Chicago. We were like 25 minutes away from where we were staying. And we were staying by our cousin's house, Dave and Chaitova, who are incredible people. And thank God they were there. And um, we were at this climbing place and the kids had two hours. And after two hours, literally Kaylee passes out on the floor and she's unresponsive. And she's with Michael and Michael comes running over. And Michael's such a good dad. And he was like, really something's wrong. Like, She's not okay. So I knew her blood sugar dropped. It was the first time we went on a plane with her for in three years. So I do believe that the plane ride, maybe with the dehydration, also she didn't drink as much. She drinks a lot, like as if she's constantly running a marathon. Um, I think all that played a role in it, or we just don't know. But that was part of her ketotic hypoglycemia. And we're in Chicago, and it's interesting because mom always says to me, like, Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. And that's like the new thing. And all the kids are like, thank you, Hashem. And I'm like, and like you said, Shalom, before about like, everyone always says like Hashem has a reason and you have to have a Muna. And I'm more like, I have so much <laughs> that I'm looking at God and I'm like, Why? like you didn't have to. And that's a normal reaction. Completely. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. And I like came to terms with the fact that I am okay with right now, like looking at him and being like, why? And it's interesting. Cause like also, um, Michael and I are both not carriers for her disease. So it's really like Hashem blessed us with this child and she was born without the mutation and it affects her so much. And, um, it's literally all from him. 
And so there are times where I, I just want her to be able to just be free and walk and not worry that she's going to fall and all that. Not that she worries so much about her falling more. Right. right. I, we yeah. worry so much more than she worries about her own falling. Yeah, exactly. But, um, when we were at the, we were at the place, we were in the glens. You guys know it's like 25 minutes from the house, or whatever. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And I remember that the doctor told us in the hospital that if we ever don't have the glycogen gels, which is like what she needs in order to like revive her and give her some sugar in frosting, there's dextrose because she needs that specific sugar. And across the street in the middle of nowhere in the dead of winter in Chicago was this store called cookie by design. And I looked up and I said to Michael, I said, run there and get frosting. And he ran and he came back and we put the frosting in her mouth on the side of their cheek because she can't choke on it either. So if she's out of it a little bit, you have to be careful what you're giving her, obviously. And we revived her and we were able to bring her home. And Hatsala came. They were amazing. Simcha Frank, he'll be so happy that he's on this video right now. We love you, Simcha. (laughs) Amazing. Incredible. Really incredible. And Chicago Hatsala was incredible. And we came home and we were able to keep her awake and like we got her refueled with sugar and her sugar went back up and everything was good. We actually went to a Bulls game that night with the kids. And this was kind of, this is kind of like the way our life is. And the kids kind of just like go with the flow and like, we all have like a job and we're all doing it. And if someone's like singing to Kaylee, well, not when she's out of it, but like when she's like getting up and about and like everyone's there, her brother's keeping her strong. Her dad's like taking care of her and he's like driving and we're all ready to go. And then we went to the Bulls game and everything was good. And then the next day in the morning, I knew something was off because she actually doesn't sleep. So we don't really sleep. Um, it's part of it. Her brain doesn't calm down. And we tried melatonin and we've tried everything and it really doesn't work. So that's actually really nice when I find other moms that just be like, I'm exhausted. Like they get it. And, um, so the next morning she slept and she woke up and like, I kept saying, Kaylee, Kaylee, and she was a little bit out of it. And she actually, ended up vomiting four times and her blood sugar just was dropping. So we called up Salah and we went to the Chicago hospital in downtown Chicago, Lori's. It was such a nice hospital and people there are really nice. I think Kaylee really wants to make her rounds in the hospitals around all the different right? states. Right, she's just trying to go all over America and everything. She's trying she to wants- scout out what's the best place. Oh my gosh, no jokes. Literally, I think that's why I can't even speak <clears> to <throat> another state. I know that she'll do something just so we can end up in that hospital there. And it was just like amazing. And it was interesting to be there because I'm from Chicago. So everyone working there and they actually never met a child with this disease and they never had a child that was on the medication she was on. So they were very interested in seeing it. And um, we got her IV for 24 hours. She needs to get sugar. And then she was ready to go. And the next day she's back to her Kaylee self, TikToking. And we went on a bunch of trips with the kids and we all just kept going and like, that's our life. Like every day, we just got to keep moving and trying to live and give the kids whatever we possibly can in the moments that we have them. So it's really interesting. It's wild. Like, I I feel like, like even where you were saying like about her brother and her other siblings, like, I feel like, you know, it's one thing for like a parent to really have to go that extra mile. And it's like, you don't have a choice. Like, what are you supposed to do? But it's like for kids, it's like, you know, when a kid has, you know, their mother gives birth to a younger sibling, it's more like, oh, why are you taking the attention away from me? And it's like, you know, Kaylee clearly with everything she's going through is clearly, there's no other choice but to give her more attention in order to get her help with these things she needs. And it's like, I look at her other siblings, her brother, her three sisters, and like, 
if it's hard for a parent, I can't even imagine. And it's like, they're all so there for her and so understanding. And it's, it's incredible. And it's like to see your kids, the way they interact with her, the way that they know when she's going through something that she needs to be first, that they not only respect that, but they're there for her just as much as you are as children. Like it's, it's incredible. And it's like, I feel like they learn a lot from that. And it teaches you a sensitivity because I feel like when you have firsthand experience of someone who's going through something more difficult that most what we consider normal people aren't going through, it's like they develop more of a sensitivity. So later on in life, if they ever come in contact with someone who's going through something difficult, they, they are able to be more sensitive and more understanding and more empathetic than most other people. And instead of being a typical child, which makes sense to be like, you know, why are you not giving me the attention? Why does she get all the attention, all this stuff? Like the fact that you were in Chicago and then you guys are supposed to go to like, you know, a whole water park and everything. And the fact that they had to get all changed because of everything going on. But the fact that as difficult as that might be for them, understandably, they know and they love her sister, their sister, and they, they understand that this is what she has to go through. And at the end of the day, even as children, they're putting her health and her life before their own fun and games. And for a child, that's really hard. As a parent, that's really hard. As a, as a person, it's really hard. So like to see that not only is she incredible, but to see how your other kids interact with her is, is, it's really beyond, it's really, really beyond. And I like, I really do love them so much. All of them. They're really such amazing kids. Amazing kids. I do want to mention about, um, they are the most organization and they've done so much wherever we are. Oh, right here is Milo. Milo, Yeah. Right now. <laughs> and when we were in Chicago, they actually reached out to me. And I said, I'm like, I feel so bad for my kids because we we're supposed to do this. And he said to me on the phone, he's like, Stop feeling bad. Tell me where your children are now. And they had someone go to the girls and they took them shopping. They went to Sephora. And it was just so nice because they really not so nice. Out. Right. It's amazing. Like they sent food to the hospital and like they were just on top of everything. And Honestly, I never thought I would need them. And like, I worked for them. I was a volunteer. I have so much regard for them. Like, I'm so grateful that they're in our lives, that I know them, and they're the most incredible people. And I don't even think they really realize how much they do for everyone else. And what was actually crazier was that mom always made meals for people from Kai Lifeline who were in the hospital, and we would drop it off. And when Michael and I were engaged, he was in Chicago, and mom had to deliver something to that exact hospital to someone food and Michael and I went and we delivered it. And we were talking about it this time. Like we never thought that we would be in that person's shoes and how like the tables turned in a sense. And it's so like it in a way it's like some people would feel uncomfortable receiving this. And I just want to see these people and say, thank you. Like, just thank you. Like there's nothing to say. There's not enough to repay them. I just, I'm just so grateful for them. I really am. Like, I feel like as, as, as people, it's really hard for us sometimes to accept help, which a lot of other people help us or give us something. It's like, you don't ever want to feel like the nebuch or like the basket case, or like, you don't want to feel like you, you need something. And like you said, like mom used to always deliver to people who were sick or anything like that. And it's like, you never feel like you want to be on that receiving end. But I feel like in the positive outlook of it is like, you know, and even though like, I'm not religious, both of you are religious, even though in my head, I still feel like I am religious. I feel like when you grow up in a community and even with any drama or any politics or anything like that, when, when people are going through something or if someone needs something, we have a community, especially nowadays where everyone's very online and not even focused in their actual world. The fact that you can rely on people that you, you literally 
may have never met them in your entire life, but they are going out of their way to help another Jew and to make sure that they're getting what they need. And they're not getting paid for it. It's like, it's really mind boggling. And I feel like that's something that's really not common nowadays. So as many difficulties as there could be with the community and the issues I have with, you know, the religious community, there is an aspect to it where it's like, sometimes you do have to drop all the bullshit and all the games and everything and step up to the plate. And seeing organizations like that, where these people are not getting paid, they're volunteers, like Hatsala, who brought to the hospital, they're volunteers. They're not being paid for this. The fact that these people are literally taking time out of their life, and a lot of them are married with their children of their own to help other Jews that they don't even really know, it's incredible. And it makes a huge difference, a huge difference. I just want to say, if, if, first of all, everyone should support their local Hatsala. Unfortunately, Absolutely. like a lot of things, like a lot of things, it's... Sometimes it's something that you don't really appreciate until you're in a circumstance where you need them. And when my wife and I were living in Queens, we had to call Hatsala for our children a couple of times. And it's just, it's incredible to, I mean, one of my wife's, one of our, one of our, one of our friends that was living a few doors down, um, my wife is best friends with her, um, her husband's in, in Hatsala. And when we called literally, cause he gets, you know, he hears where it is it, within like 30 seconds. I was two hours away. He's in the house. He went over to the kids to make sure everything's okay. Took him to the hospital. He went to check on my other kids also to make sure they were okay. And it's just really incredible to have people like that, that you know that are there for you to help you out, take care of you, and you won't be you know left stranded. And in the New York City where it started everything, they even help people who are not Jewish. Like a big reason of why it started is because in New York City, which is a very tight place, like the city is an island and a lot of these places are an islands. And you have so many people packed in one city calling 911 it took them a long time to get to the scene that they needed to be at. And when they, when they had at Salah, these people were able to go give CPR or be able to do all these different treatments before the ambulances and other, you know, paramedics arrived onto the scene, but they've saved so many lives from that. So it's not even just Jewish people. They've saved so many other people and it's, it's absolutely incredible what they do. And there's really, there's no way around it. It's so commendable. I mean, they're, they're, so they're, I was just, I wanted to look it up to make sure. Cause I thought I was right, but their, their average response time is like 90 seconds or less. They could in like and metropolitan you area, can't metropolitan beat that everywhere. And that's so, crazy. Cause that's it, really there's no way you're calling 911 in New York city and getting someone right. in 90 seconds. Right. And metropolitan Double areas, that, obviously in, in suburban areas, rural areas are going to be less, but it's still, it's life. It's literally life saving, and these are a lot of these are life or death scenarios. So if you want to help out, find your local Atzala's website, give a donation. High Lifeline also highlifeline.org. I'm assuming is their website. Absolutely. If you want yeah. to donate to help out, uh, make lives easier and um, save yeah, lives. And it's not. It's not. A, it's not pushing religion or doing anything like that. It's literally people are people, and we're going to help them. Not because we're being paid for it. Not because I agree with their politics. Not because they're Republicans, so am I. Nothing to do with that. It's people are people, and we need to be there for them. And if if it's going to take longer for paramedics to be there, we'll be there first, get everything that needs to be done until they get a, a, arrive. And that could save so many lives. It's, it's incredible that it's very simple to take these kinds of things for granted nowadays where it's so 100%. open to so many places. But it's like, if, you, if we really went back to the days beforehand, it is really scary to, to even consider how many people could have passed away for not having something like that. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, and sometimes there's even times when people call them because they think that an emergency situation ends up being maybe nothing, but because you called them and you know, those people are there, it's like, 
they're not giving you a fine or something like oftentimes police or fire departments do. They're there. It might have not been something. They will help calm you down, make you feel like, like, don't worry. It's okay. We're glad you called us because it could have been something. Like, right. and that's what you want. Like, at the end of the day, it's like people might have their own politics. You push that aside and you're there for a fellow person. And that's what really it's all about. I remember when, when we moved to, when we moved to, New York and we bought, we bought our car in Chicago. So it was shipped to New Jersey. We were staying by my in-laws and when the guy showed up on Saturday night, our, our car, our minivan class, uh, minivan life was on a bed and there was a car behind it. And the driver who had been awake for like 25 hours straight, drove straight from Chicago and was driving back straight, uh, had locked the keys to the car behind ours in the car. So there's no way to get that car off to get our car off the bed. So he got permission from his girlfriend, who was his boss, to smash one of the small windows in the back of the car to unlock it and then just they'll fix it. But before they did that, I remembered, let me call Chaverim, because there's got to be a Chaverim in one of the nearby areas. Called Chaverim. A Hasidish guy sh- shows up with his three kids. Well, They're well, all involved. What is Chaverim, though? Okay, Chaverim is an organization. Uh, it literally means friends in Hebrew, but it is an organization that you can call for... I mean, it's it's like a range of you have a flat tire, uh, you need you need your car to get started, um, you, you, um, you're stranded somewhere and need need a ride somewhere, whatever it is, like anything that you feel like you're lost and you don't know what to do, logistics, you call it Haverim. So I was in a situation like that. I called Haverim. Guy shows up in 20 minutes with his kids. They're all involved in the process. He's calling them for like different tools. Within like five minutes, he breaks into the car, unlocks it, doesn't have to break a window. And I tried to even pay him, like give him 25 bucks. And he's like, I don't want your money. I was like, so then give it to charity. And he's like, you can give it to, to charity. And then he just left. And it was like, and the guy who who drove the car, who's not Jewish, was like, what, what was that? And I was like, yeah, this is, uh, it's really incredible to like know that you have a community like that. And even if you come from different types of religious denominations, you know, I don't live in the same community as that man. He apparently from how he looked was ultra orthodox as they would say, you know, but at the same time, like a Jew needs help. One of my needs help. I'm going to go and help them. Another human being needs help. I'm going to go and help them. And that's, uh, that's something that's really incredible that we can't take for, uh, for granted. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's something we're, we're all, we're all so connected, you know, with social media and the internet and all the stuff. Yet we're all so disconnected. And I feel like, you know, sometimes it takes a, a, a you know, wake up call or something like that to realize like, right. wow, to have this kind of community that is going to be there for you, even for me. And I'm not, you know, like I said before, like I'm not religious, but like the fact that I know if God forbid, if I was ever in New York or even in Israel, if I was in a situation like that, the fact that I know I have people to call on, if my family's not around, it's, it's a really comforting thing. And it's something that it is that a lot of people don't have and that we often do take, you know, for granted until something like this happens. And it's like, it's, it's really, really incredible. And it's, it's really, I feel like these are the kinds of things it's like that really at the end of the day, this is what means something. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what you, you know, how big your house is, how nice your car is. At the end of the day, this is the stuff that matters. And the fact that people could show that to you is it's incredible. It really is. It's an amazing thing. So cute. Yeah. And, uh, on a bit of a lighter note, so it is interesting. Something that I I, want, I did want, want to ask is how, is to to Ruchi is how you we touched on it a little bit before is 
do, do you ever find it hard be, you know, having to be involved in social media, have, you know, living in a, in, in a very fast paced world, you ever find it hard, you know, not getting sucked in or worrying about those around you getting sucked into the, to the hustle and bustle of, 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 of the world, you know, society nowadays and, and what social media can do. Cause there's obviously so much good it could do. And there's obviously so much bad, you know, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I have, um, in a way, like when I post the pictures, I share like sometimes like little blurbs and I'll say little world like words, but I feel like for me, because we're from Chicago, I don't know if it's like, or we just have the most incredible parents, but like, I feel like for me, it's more of just like, that I'm from out of town and I never kind of felt the feeling or the pressure to keep up. And I never wanted necessarily what other people had. I always just wanted to be happy. That was like my thing. Like I never necessarily wanted more money or I wanted someone else's life. Like I just, with my own self, within my own personal life, I myself wanted to be happy. Um, but I do see how much good it brings social media. And I do see also how much bad it could bring. And mm. I see people on the most, like people, it's actually interesting, but <laughs> bring a lot of stress to people because the husbands really don't want to be there. And I really need to I can vouch. Alcohol, I can confirm that. Like shots. And the wives are like so anxious, nervous. And, I, and I'm not saying everyone's like that. And it's okay to be like that. So, you know, but it's just like a very stressful situation because you only have a certain amount of time and you want your kids to smile. And, and I see a lot and I do see so much good. And I don't think people realize how much good I see. I think people always think they're the crazy ones and they're not. And we all have our own unique struggles, our own unique challenges. And I feel like on social media, if you have the ability to share with the world the truth and not like this facade of what you want to portray your life as, then I think it's important that you share that. And I think that's like what you were touching on. Like people share things that are not really what's happening. And I always say this with like a cake smash, like with pictures when I take a picture of a baby in front of a cake at their one-year-old birthday. And when I post on social media and like Instagram, the baby's smiling, but it's also Instagram. Like majority of my cake smash kids really don't like them. The parents want the pictures. I remember one, I'm not going to say who, but one of our relatives was doing a cake smash. I remember their kid was sitting in front of the cake, like not ready to go in and the dad, and you know who you are if you're listening, just like slowly started pushing his head into the cake. Why is it that I could see you doing that? I thought that would be you. Right, probably, I would just probably. return my child and exchange it for a new one. I would just be like, bitch, like put your hand in the goddamn cake. Oh my God. No, but like, it's true. And it's like, they really don't like them. And then when I post this, everyone's like, how come my kid's crying? And I'm like, all the kids cry. And then people always say to me, they're like, you have so much patience. And I always laugh and I'm like, if you came to the photographer and they didn't have patience, like run, like they're with your kids, you know? I feel like and it's it's easier to have patience with other people's kids than it is with your own children also. You know what I'm I saying? Like it's the opposite almost sometimes. I hear, I hear both. I hear both. No, because in a way it's like you're on, like you're on, you're working, it's your right. job and they're kids, like a teacher, right? Like if they're teaching, I mean, depending on what teachers we have, but like there are certain I teachers that. that like in class, they would be like very on top of it. And then when they go home, they'd be stressed out, which is understandable. And at the same time, like it could go both ways, you know, but I really enjoy what I do. It's more of like meeting the people. And I like really meeting people and 
it's funny because I always feel like I'm laughing in the social media department. Like I don't post so much and I don't really post myself and not because I'm like trying to hide it just because I'm so busy and I'm really just like focused on my life and my day-to-day activities. Cause I, it's not like minute by minute, it's more like millisecond by millisecond. I'm just like, well, do you have someone who manages any of your social media accounts or you do it all yourself? So I do the social media accounts. Um, I have a secretary that does like emails and schedules the appointments, but for Instagram, it's mainly me. It is me, not mainly. It is me. So like if I'm not listening to me, yeah. Um, I feel like that's a lot of people on social media. I feel like they're trying to present themselves in a certain way. Their family is in a certain way. And I feel like a big reason why you were able to build yourself up. Like I remember the day where you turned to me like in your room and I was hanging out with you watching TV and you're like, I think I want to be a photographer. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. Because we're going to be interior designer, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And, like, aside from the fact that you had this, like, natural talent that I literally had no idea that, like, when you started, I was like, whoa, what the heck? Like, you just – but you blew up so fast, and I feel like it wasn't just your talent and what you were able to do as a photographer, but I feel like – like, I used to always tell, like, my therapist, my friends, like, you would walk into a room, and, like, there's just this energy about you that, like, it really just, like, uplifts things. And I feel like, you know, you, you're, you're just very real and you're very, and you, you just are who you are. The fact that you're able to be a successful photographer with so many followers and yet you were still able to share your daughter's story without being like, oh, is it going to affect my business? Like, I feel like people relate to that more than anything. And that's a yep. big part of what made you as successful as you are, as many followers as you have and all that stuff, because people don't just see you as a photographer who's incredibly talented but she's just so real and she just is who she is. And I can't even real, tell you how many real recognize real. I can't even tell you how many people would be like, Oh my God, your sister. And like, they would go on like, and even <laughs> people who like only met you one time, but because they met you that one time, they, it's an impression that lasts with them. Like we meet people every day, but like there's certain people in our lives that we come across and they leave an impression on you. that you are like, Whoa, you walk away from them. Like, Whoa, whereas other people you walk away and just like, you didn't even remember what the name was. Like, and I feel like you always had that effect on people. And I feel like even more so because you have that kind of personality and everything that people really gravitate towards because you have such a magnetic energy, being able to be so real with your situation, everything you're going through with your own family, it's even greater because you have all that following. A lot of people on social media who want to present themselves in a certain way, they would never take a picture of themselves without makeup or anything. And it's like with you, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm really successful. Yeah, I'm an amazing photographer. And I'm sure you don't say that, but I'm saying that. And then you're like, but I also am a real person and I have real struggles just like everybody else and different than everybody else. And it's like, people see that and it's like, it, it, it's just like another level. It's just another level. I feel like this whole thing I've just been putting on such a pedestal. I'm just saying, don't, saying I don't I want to shrug your ego so much. Like you better not. Well, be I, like, did, oh. I did want to ask though, what would you, when some like when someone asks what type of photography you do, is it family and like newborn portrait and newborn yeah, pictures? I, I mainly do family and um, newborns. I also do a lot of events with um, your husband, right? With yeah. Michael. So Michael. Yeah. So we do events Mike. together or we'll do them separately. Mike, Mike, Dolphin, Br- brother, Mike. He also does photography. As well as him or look as good as no. him. He really wants to Stole that from me. He could so be. He wants to know when he's going to be interviewed. So that is also, you do events like, like, uh, you guys do events like, like, like weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs. Yeah. Like that we'll do like weddings and bar and bat mitzvahs together. And then, um, sometimes if they need two photographers, if they need two photographers, we'll do it together. But if we have like two events on the same day, like a lot of times on Sundays, we'll both, have an event. So then we go separately, but it's cool because 
Michael has a real appreciation for photography. So like I could ask him questions and like, and it's like, it's cool because we can feed off of each other of like different ideas and stuff like that. And we're very different photographers. Like I'm more all over the place. He's very like straight and serious. So it's good. Like we balance really well together. And and do you like, do you feel like you guys kind of stay in like the same kind of circles where you take a lot of newborn pictures of families? Or do you feel like Michael also is trying to like branch off into like more like um like fashion or like you know for like um like photo shoot kind of things? Like do you feel like you guys kind of stay in the same space? Or do you feel like you kind of go in your own directions to an extent as well? So I feel like based off of our personalities and our own unique art, because it is like technically an art. Like 100%. I'm definitely more, I would say the families, the, um, the events and the newborns and Michael's more of like the events, the weddings, editorial fashion. Like he's very, cause he's very like good and detail oriented in that sense. I sound like I'm not, right. but nobody's very good. At, like, are. So, are. Stuff. so I would say he's more of like the bigger things, like the weddings and the farm bob mitzvahs and in the city, like he'll meet up with models and photograph them for specific companies. So he does more of that stuff. I've been called a few times as a model, but I have been unable to make it. Yeah. That's only because you were called after I was. So don't even, <laughs> don't even check yourself, bitch. Okay. <laughs> sure. She did it though. Sure. She modeled. Sure. She's going to be so bitch. I've been on this podcast. She'll be like, what the hell about you? We're going to have to have her on. I'm telling you that she modeled. It is, um, it is, it's pretty cool though, to be able to work with your husband and to create, what's also interesting that, that, that Sheldon was saying, which what I was thinking about is obviously you guys have different styles and, and different, you know, art forms in your photography, but you still do events together and the pictures come together. You know, they don't, they don't look like totally different, you know, it comes together. Yeah, it's cool. It's a uniform thing. Like color and like the sharpness and clarity. So like, right. I think that works like exactly like you said, right. so, like at least when we deliver it, it's the same. It's not like two different, completely different photographers. And, and like you were saying before about it being like an art, like I feel like there's certain like photographers, like, like when I see your pictures, like they are distinctively like Rachel Renner photography, even though your last name is Drandolph, like your professional name is Rachel Renner, is your former name. And I feel like there's something very distinct about the way your image looks kind of like how, like I'm not a huge fashion person, but like whenever I would see red carpets, like when someone's wearing Tom Ford, it is very distinctively Tom Ford. He has a certain look to it, and I feel like I'm not a big at... fashion person, but whenever I see red carpets, <laughs> Tom, only people who are fashion people are ever watching red carpets. I love you. Okay, Keep up! Don't even pretend like you're not all about the red carpet life. Don't even. Remember when I like there's the Golden Globe Awards? Yeah, yeah, and then I was supposed to go until the guy who used to get us in was let go from Sony, and then I was like. What is my life? Yeah, that was... Uh, Don't worry, you didn't miss much. Yeah, for you, for me. Back in those days, I used to be really celebrity orange. Now I'm really right, not. Just to give really, some... Really, some, really some Brittany. Just for a little bit of context, when I, I remember when, I, when we were kids, uh, we, my dad knew someone who was working for Sony at the time, and my dad used to... Our dad, all of our dads, uh, yeah. used to fly to... Used to work in Michigan, so he'd be, he'd be there very often, and he'd stay at a hotel there. Like some random hotel, it was a Hilton, but like it was a random Detroit, Michigan Hilton, but he got status. So he was able to stay at the Beverly Hilton and basically see all the celebrities when it was blocked out for everyone else. And now you can't go anywhere. You can't stay there. I don't think if the Golden Globes are being hosted there, it was taken off. But Rachel got to go. Rookie got to go. And our um, mom got to go as well. I I I was literally, I was supposed to be the third year. Right. Totally got screwed over. And that's why I'm gay. Thank you, Dad. 
Um, but uh, wait, rookie, what what was it like? Would you say thinking back, like meeting or any of these people that you know when we were kids we looked up to as like celebrities? What was it? What, do you remember like what it was like? It's were? interesting because I like I look back at it and when you see celebrities, you get like this feeling of overwhelmingness. Like, oh my god, they're so cool! I want to be like them. I want to see them. I want to touch them. I want their autograph. Like all these things. And I want to smell their hair. Yeah, totally. And it's interesting. <laughs> I will buy their socks. <laughs> no, but I feel like because I've met so many people, I've been doing the photography thing for almost 12 years now. And because I've wow. met so many people, I don't feel like, like I have seen celebrities over the years and I don't feel as excited as I used to when I was a kid. Honestly, the only person that I'd probably like freak out if I saw is Hilary Duff just because like I love her. And to me, she's very real. And for me, it's only Britney. Every other person, I can appreciate their art, but for me, it's like that's the only person I will fangirl over. Yeah. So, Hillary, if you're if you're listening and you want to come on the podcast, you're welcome anytime. Thanks, girl. Let the rain fall down. Oh, like that. That's my Britney. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> Totally. That's the thing is, I feel like it's a nostalgia thing. It's not just like, oh, you're a celebrity. It's the fact that like it was a childhood. You grew up with that person. You could relate to that person. It's like that's what it brings back is those memories. As opposed to like you know, certain people like you know, even Beyonce or something super talented, incredible, all that. I wouldn't be like, like I, I don't think I would die. Right? No, exactly. I feel like the same way. And for me, I love. Sorry. Like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 I was, I was, I was stopping for you. No, I was saying like, like Brittany, I loved her since I was seven. So for me, it's like, I'm obsessed with her because it reminds me of my childhood and it's someone I was connected with and wanted to be like, but like other, there's other, you know, incredibly talented pop stars who like, you know, I collect their music. I collect their dancing. I collect all that stuff, but I, I, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, if I met them, it's like, <laughs> it's, 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 right. it's not just about the, who the person is. It's, it's the memories it brings back. And like the the joy in that time of your life that you remember that you're like, wow. So I feel like that's a big difference. There's certain people that they're they're put in a pedestal, and it's like they're just a pedestal of being at a pedestal where it's like there's certain people who we relate to because it connects us to a different time in our lives when things in our minds were simpler and easier, and we didn't have all the stress of being an adult and all this stuff. And it's like when our hardest thing in life was like, oh, I have so much homework tonight. You're like, oh my god, so and so was so obnoxious to me in class. And it's like then you look back at that and you're like, bitch. You literally don't even realize how easy your life was then because <laughs> being an adult is like the worst. And like growing up, I always wanted to be an adult. I was always a kid hanging out with the Every adults. Kid my does, friends right? I was always, I was never hanging out with my friends. I was hanging out with their parents. I literally used to be invited to my friends' houses by their parents, specifically their mothers. And like, I, and I always felt like I was so mature. Here, you know? Totally. Totally. And like, I, and I feel like, you know, it was always like that for me that I always felt like, oh, I'm so mature beyond my age. I always want to grow up, grow up, grow up. And then I look back and I'm like, you didn't even get to enjoy. I mean, honestly, in those years, I was still closeted and all that stuff. So I clearly was going through chuckles. But like, right. it's just like you didn't realize how much easier it was then. And I feel like nowadays with kids and they're all trying to grow up so fast, especially with social media and everything. They're all trying to look like a Kardashian at 11. And it's like, just be yourself. Because these are the the few years in your life. And like, as adults, we all get fucked up from our childhoods. It's such a short period in our lives, yet it is like the basis for everything. We're in therapy for years because of our childhood. And it's like, it causes such a significant thing. It's like, just be yourself. And these days with social media and everyone's taking photos of themselves and posting it out there. And like, it's not even just taking a photo of yourself in the right lighting. It's taking a photo of yourself in the right lighting with the makeup on. And then you face tune it. And then you get the right filter. And then you post it. It's like, 
it, you're, you, no one's able to just like breathe in the time that they're off. It's like, enjoy life, be who you are. And it's like, it's, it's really scary times. We like, I, I look at my nieces and nephews, like your kids and everything. And I'm just like, I thought I had it so hard when I was a kid. I can't even imagine. I used to be bullied in middle school. I can't imagine going through all that these days, the technology that we have. It's one thing having a popular kid in your class. They're like, oh, that's every other kid. When you have the popular kid who's also on social media that everyone's looking at and writing about, oh my God, you're so amazing in that picture. Oh my God, you're chest. Oh my God, I wish I was you. Like, it's like, <laughs> full of rail. It's like the Kardashians are crack. I mean, they probably are, but like, it's like, it creates such a distorted imagination. Like I was even like watching a whole thing about plastic surgery last night for this doctor and he was talking about like lips and how the bottom lips of people are naturally larger than the front lips and how our minds are being distorted by the way that we're seeing people. And even if we're, we ourselves are not using lip filler or any of these things, it's becoming so common. And so you have lip filler? Okay. Whatever. I haven't done like three years. I would just like naturally just like say this guy for real. Though. <laughs> but like I've done it before. I'm not going to lie. But like we were so conditioned to see it that way. Then now when we see someone with normal size lips, we're like, whoa, their lips are so small. And it's like, no, those are literally normal size lips. We just don't even realize. And the deeper it gets, I can't imagine it getting better. Like, I feel like it's like this downward spiral that like, how are we going to get out of this? Like, we used to, when we were kids, it was like, oh my God, these magazine covers, it's setting a really, you know, bad, you know, self-esteem image for like girls and like they're looking at these models and it's so bad. And it's like, forget models. You literally have everyday girls that are face tuned and, and, you know, using liquify and their bodies are this thin. And it's like, it's not only unattainable and unrealistic, it's, it's, it's so damaging for the younger generation so damaging it's it's i can't even fathom living this time i feel like you have to be really strong everybody yeah. be strong and with that with that message i think we're gonna call it here i know rachel understandably is very busy has a tight schedule but uh i just want to thank you again um for joining us for being on here we love you very much i know i, sp I speak for for both of us when i say we love you very yes. much it's a blessing to have you in our lives and to join us here on the podcast hope to have you on uh sometime again in the future hopefully and um yeah. hope everyone enjoyed and we'll catch you guys yeah. next week yeah and follow rachel runner photography on instagram and absolutely Facebook. and also All donate socials. money if you're able to to Atsella and high lifeline for the incredible work they do it's literally there's nothing like it and you can be making a difference in so many people's lives without even realizing the impact you're having so i highly highly recommend that absolutely i love and you guys we'll catch everyone you next week Take care, everybody. Love you Bye. all. Bye. <laughs>